Welcome to Kickback, my people. Big thanks to all the regular listeners and hello to all the newbies. Thankfully, that tricky first podcast feels like a lifetime ago. And I hope you've enjoyed all the guests as much as I have so far. And with that in mind, I've only gone and found another Brit abroad. This fella started as a youngster in England and is now running the show for the Real Monarchs here in Utah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jack Blake. That was good, huh? That was yeah, good. Was fantastic. You like that one? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you like that. I remember when I first came here, I trained with your team, which I knew nothing about. But you were very, like, when I heard your voice, I was like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I need right now. <laughs> Obviously, being altitude, there was nowhere for me to breathe or anything like this. So I didn't know anybody's name. But I heard, heard this voice of someone who sounded like they're from the Midlands. Yes, sir. And that was you, my friend. Yes, sir. So first, I want to thank you for making me feel welcome when I first came. But now I'm going to grill you. I'm going to grill you for a little while. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. Well, like me, your initial younger days started in England. Tell me... Oh, tell the listeners out there, actually, whereabouts in England were you and how did you end up there? So, I was actually born in Worksop. Okay. And, uh, is it Lee Westwood, Lee Westwood from there as well? Yes, he yeah, is. Can yes. trivia? Wow. What a nerd. That's about the only person famous from Worksop, I think. No, it was you two together, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so I was born there and then um, my parents divorced when I was three or four and then both moved down to Nottingham. So, grew up in Nottingham, um, grew up... 10 minutes away from the Nottingham Forest Stadium where they have Trent Bridge, Notts County Stadium, mm-hmm. and just the whole city embedded in sport. And from a young age, I was I was always kicking a ball. And I guess I've always wanted to play for Forest. It was the biggest team in the in the uh, in the city. And yeah, grew up playing, playing in school, playing local team, and then finally made it into the academy when I was seven. You were seven, that yeah. early? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's different from back in my day. So how long were you at that academy for? So what I did was I went to, uh, I was scouted by Forest and Notts County when mm. I was seven. Big uh, rivals for anyone that doesn't know. Yes, they are. Even though they never play against each other. Yes. <laughs> never, ever. Yeah. Even further away now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, at the time, I actually chose to play for Notts County. Um, uh, obviously, I was too young to really make any decisions, but... Uh, my dad was always very involved in my football and he, he played for Leeds United um, Academy growing up when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So at the time, Notts County seemed to be a little bit of a better fit. They had some really good coaches in there and um, it was run very well. And then it slowly, as as Notts County got into some compensation money issues, the academy started to deteriorate. So when I was about nine or ten, made the jump over to Forest. Okay. Sold your soul then, basically. Um, yes. Right, good on you. Signed my life away. It. Yeah, I don't mind it. <laughs> don't mind it. And who, um, actually, which year did you end up, how old were you when you ended up leaving there? So I was 21 when I left Forest um, in 2015. In 2015. And yeah. who, uh, which in your age group, who were the players who made it through there? Okay, so growing up um, and in the youth team, uh, when we went and did the FA Youth Cup run, which, how far did you get in that run? The first year, when I was a first-year scholar, we did. Um, we got to the quarters. And then the next year, when I was second year, we made the semis, lost on penalties. Who to? Norwich. Norwich? Yeah. We don't talk about that night anymore, though. <laughs> in my household. Hold on, hold on a second. Did someone take a penalty? Is this what's happened? Someone might have taken a penalty. And how did, where did that go? Keeper yeah. save it, or did keeper, you miss target? Keeper did save it. Do you remember the keeper? I don't, I don't. I just I just wanted the ground to swallow me up in that mm. moment. Do you know, credit to you, because I like the idea of taking a penalty, but you'll never see me stepping up to take one in my whole career, my friend. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's a good effort. I remember when I was at City's Academy, we got to the semi-final once, I think. Played against Middlesbrough, and literally three quarters of their team ended up playing for Middlesbrough yeah. within the next two, three years. But yeah. that's when the team was, their team was trying to be really progressive with the youngsters and all that. Yeah, that they, was, they were difficult to play against. Yeah. I actually, I was thinking about it as well. When I was, it would have been 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. I watched Man City play against Forest in the FA Youth Cup. I think it was a quarterfinal. You guys absolutely tonked us. But <laughs> well, that's to be expected, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's the real team. Um, but you had storage in there, Mika Richards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do you know, it's funny you say that, because I remember, I think I remember watching that team go through the Youth Cup. Yeah. They were a decent team, weren't Very they? good. I was a ball boy that night as well. well. Yeah, yeah. You, you quickly learn from those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's an interesting, I saw, before we go any further, you've because you've mentioned Nottingham so many times, something's just gone off in the back of my mind. And 
there's one time in my career where I scored a perfect hat trick, and it just so happened to be against Nottingham Forest. Wow. And to say more about it, I was playing centre back as well. No way. But those were the elite days. Three set pieces. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, you know, it doesn't really matter like where the ball came from, but there was a right foot, there was a left foot, and there was a header. Wow. And then from there, everything just went straight downhill, my friend. <laughs> straight downhill. But, you know, it's all good. Uh, so why did you end up leaving Forest? So it was a very difficult period of time for me when I left Forest. Um, it was a club that I'd, 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 been, I'd almost been born into. You mm-hmm. know, I was that young and... I'd always wanted to play for them. Um, I had quite a unique academy experience as well. I, I left conventional schooling when I was 14 and uh, went into private tuition with the club. Um, so, what was that? So what that allowed me to do was get my core grades, so maths, English, science, all that stuff, through the club, one-on-one tuition, and then I would train every day with the youth team. So when I was 14, 15, I was training with 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and I was basically like a full-time scholar. And that really, really sort of was the catalyst for my development, really. I had some really good experiences going abroad as well. Um, I uh, I went and, and trained with teams abroad. So I started with Brescia in Italy. Okay. I would go there for like one or two weeks. I would train with their academy, then come back, and I would almost report back to our academy manager with what I saw, the drills, and it was a fantastic experience for me to do that as well. Mm, that is very unique. So I did Brescia, I did Deportivo La Coruña, I did Atletico Madrid, uh, AZ Altmar. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was insane. You know, from 14 to 16, football-wise and experience, it was probably the best best two years I've had experience-wise. Yeah, that, that does sound incredible. I think there's only one other person I can think of that's had something similar-ish. Uh, do you remember a central midfielder for Man City, Michael Johnson? I do. Crippled with injuries, wasn't he? Yeah, so so he had to retire and, and whatnot. But when he was coming through, I think he'd basically been everywhere. And I think he trained somewhere in Holland, I think. Mm-hmm. And you could see it in the way that he he played, you know, because I don't know if it was the same when you were coming through, but when I was coming through, the style, the traditional style of an English player was one, which isn't necessarily what it is right now. No. You know, you had to be able to back yourself physically. And it's good if you had quality, but quality without the physicality meant that you were going to be overlooked because mm-hmm. some of the best players that I've ever played with they're not playing anymore and they never they never made it because they they were missing that little something you know you have to have heart first mm-hmm. and then step up into it but then he had that heart he had the physicality but then he had this little he played the game a bit differently and he just looked exceptional because he was doing it whereas now if he was to come through it might be as normal as normal comes you know what I mean but yeah he was yeah he was the other one and so you left at 21 and how did you end up over here because I've been on Google I'm not gonna lie I've googled the life out of you (laughs) every bit of info I can find on you is like written down in the sheet of paper in front of me but just how did it come to be because if you're like me back in England there's no coverage of anything over here that's not MLS so how did you end up coming over here and playing for a team here yeah so to answer your question before when I left Forest I'd signed my professional contract to 17 um, signed a two-year contract then another two-year contract when I was 19 and Throughout the time when I was at Forest, within the span of four or five years, there was nine managers, I think. Right. Okay. So as a young player coming through, it was very difficult to come through. Um, we had some really good players amongst. We had players like Jamal Lascelles, now the Newcastle yeah. captain, Patrick Bamford at Leeds, Ben Osborne's just got his move to Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, a lot of these players that we had that were, that were coming through, f- for me, it was very difficult. Um, I, f- I felt as though because of the change of managers, it was very difficult and my style of play you know more technical and, and I got the impression that the, the, the first team manager at Forest who were in there were, were fairly old school mm-hmm. and they sort of didn't trust maybe a young player coming yeah. through mm-hmm. um, so when I was 21 in the last year of my contract um, Stuart Pierce was the manager and um, I had a really good pre-season with the first team and then in September I fractured my leg so I had a, a stress fracture in my fibula and I was out for four or five months. And then during that time I was out, Stuart Pierce got fired. And then uh, Steve Cottrell came in as the manager. And him coming in, didn't know anything about me, didn't know who I was. All he saw was, was a kid that was injured and been out for a while. When I came back from injury, it was very difficult to try and impress. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I was I was released. At the time, I was, you know, it was heartbreak because... You spent your whole life there, didn't you? Exactly. And it was my, my boyhood club. You know, all I ever dreamed about was captain in forest and and playing there for the rest of my career so to have that come to an abrupt stop it was 
yeah it was it was very shocking at the time and i felt myself wanting to have a drastic change and i looked into the the markets in europe i looked into the markets in the states mexico south america and i just felt as though i had a connection with the states already because my grandfather lived in arizona okay and <clears throat> i just made a decision one day i'm i'm going to go for it in the states you know i've it's it's a the mls is a league that is on the rise, you know, a lot more players at that time when I left Forest in 2015, a lot more players were starting to go over. Mm-hmm. You know, Beckham had started it, yeah. Gerard Lampard, mm-hmm. and yeah, at the time it was it was a decision that I just I made fairly quickly, and I had to move quickly as well. So I I got on a flight on a one way ticket to Arizona to stay with my grandfather, and I arrived. I just packed my boots. I arrived at his house on a on a 90 day visa, and sat at his laptop. And emailed coaches in the USL, NESL, MLS, and just basically said, "Here I am. I've got my boots. Um, can you give me a trial?" And not many teams replied to me. Um, the first, the first team that really replied to me was was Orange County. Um, a guy called Barry Venison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry Venison was the the coach there. He replied to me straight away and was like, "Yeah, we'll get you out on a flight. Uh, be here next week." So it was my first opportunity. We got there probably similar to you that as you learn as you go along in the states yeah. so the international ruling came into play because i had a really good trial there barry really liked me but he was like we don't have any more international spots our general managers decided to sign a, a lad from germany we needed another defender yeah. so we don't have any spots left but i have a friend who is the manager of minnesota united carl craig another geordie who um i'm sure would love to see you he, g- he gave him a quick call put me in touch with him and then I was on a flight from Orange County to, to Minnesota and then three weeks later signed my first professional contract in the States. That's incredible. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know any of that. Yeah. That's not on, that's not really on your uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> never thought not about adjusting it. I should probably adjust that because that's quite a story. Yeah. And like I'm sitting here, I've played a billion years and I'm hearing that story and that's like that's getting like my head hairs on the back of my neck like going that's that's incredible because it's a real show of desire. Like your path coming through the academy and stuff is, is very different. But then you can see how that's affected your thinking from when the opportunity left you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as being British people, there's a lot of belief that like once you're in England, you just want to stay in England. Like yeah. most people never want never want to leave the place. They won't even tell you about other leagues. They've got no interest whatsoever. But you're, in some ways you're a bit like me because I, I watch all leagues. I like, I love the game and the game's played more than just in England. So I'll see, I could tell you a stat about a player playing in Ukraine or something, just as much as I could tell you about a guy who's playing for Aston Villa, like that stuff, that stuff doesn't bother me. Right. And I was always looking to go and try and play abroad before I finished, before I finished my career. So that mentality at 21, which is incredibly young to think, I want to go and do something completely different, then to buy the one-way ticket, then to email all those teams, like that's, that's inspiring for me because it shows how much you wanted to play the game. Mm. Yeah. Clearly you're good enough to play the game, but it's that desire matched with the ability is why like you're such a big asset here and you've been a big asset everywhere that you've been thank you you know what i mean like that's yeah. i sound all like all old and emotional but i think <laughs> i'm feeling old and emotional right now that's like that's legit yeah that is so so legit yeah and i think i would hope that more people could see like when people ask you what's the how do you make it how do you make it how do you make it obviously you can give them an answer but it's never the only answer lots of different ways to try and get to the place that you would like to be Obviously, it doesn't guarantee that you'll do it. But if you want to do something, but you're not trying as hard as, say, this person or that person or whatever, what entitles you the opportunity to go and get that thing when someone else is showing more desire to go and get it? Exactly. Um, that's really cool, man. That's <laughs> that's throwing me off. That's throwing me off so much. That's throwing me off so, so much. No, but, I, I completely agree with what you say, though, because, you know, most players in England, let's face it, there's so many players that are released from professional clubs yeah. at the age of 16 to 20. Yeah. And now with the added under 21 development or under 23, now it is. I don't think that's good for the game. I honestly, my my opinion is I don't, I genuinely don't think the under 23 development league is good for the game because I feel like if, if like I was a player in in England when I was 17, 18, I felt as though I could make the jump up to the first team and I didn't, I didn't need the development, development squad. And I felt like the development squad was, was just a, sort of like second best here's you can have a contract with the development squad but you're not quite good enough for the first team yeah i feel like if if you are generally good enough to play at that level you should be able to be involved at 17 18 yeah and that's where i was left you know 
playing in the development squad for a long time, I didn't enjoy it. And when I got to 21, I left Forest. I could have, you know, gone down to the lower leagues and the conference and, and maybe worked a second job and, and all that. But I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get lost in the cycle. I didn't want to be like every other player that's released. I just wanted to do something different. And, you know, it could not have worked out. You know, the, I could have, thank God I didn't, but I could have got seriously injured. I could have, anything can happen in football. But, yeah, I mean, like you say, there was just the the true desire inside me. I, I knew I had the ability to play professional football somewhere, but yeah. it was just it was just the drive inside of me that I was... I was probably a bit angry from what had happened at Forest, you know, going through the club. And I was actually, uh, having been at the club all those years, I, the way I was told I was being released was by letter through the post. Mm. And <laughs> it was, it was, it was, did leave me with a really bitter taste in my mouth. And I think that was the fuel to give me even more dedication and put more effort into, into wanting to achieve what I want to do. That's incredible. Um, you named two people, by the way. I didn't know we had these links. So Stuart Pearce was my first ever coach. He gave me my debut. I felt like Kevin Keegan gave me my debut, but Stuart Pearce started my career. And then I also had Steve Cottrell as a coach when I was at Queen's Park Rangers as well. Like this is this is a majorly, majorly tiny world that we're living through here. But it's interesting what you say about the under-23s thing because I kind of feel that it can be detrimental in some ways, especially because the way that I came through was slightly different, where if you were 18 or 19 and you weren't close to the first team, they didn't really want you there. You know what I mean? No. But there was nowhere else for you to go. So no. you just like... You're stuck. Yeah. You're stuck. And they wouldn't give you a contract to get you to 21, 22, 23. Whereas now I feel like you can find some people who are playing for a club or they might make their debut and they're making a debut. This is obviously different in the States compared to back home. But you're making your debut at 22 for your club. But from when I was younger, there's not a chance at 22 you'd be there if you've not made your debut yet. That's the thing. And that's why the the, the American market as well appealed to me because... What's class as a young player yeah. in the states is twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, because most of the guys go to college and then they come out of college mm. and they're in a draft of the MLS or whatever. So that was another factor to me that was like, if I can be still be considered as a young player, it'll open more doors for me. Yeah, but relatively speaking, because of the fact you've trained with men and trained for that period, you'd be seen as like a younger player. But you've got an older head because you've been through right. two, three, four years of yeah. actually being surrounded by senior people playing in that environment. What? So you're here now. What are your ambitions? Say, like, are you looking to go play for an MLS team? Are you looking to maybe go and travel the world again? Or like, what? What is really driving you now? From from the the moment I stepped off the plane in Arizona when I came on the trial, I I all all I ever wanted to do was play in the MLS. Yeah. So that still is my goal. And as I learned the system and the international roster spots, I quickly learned that it's the, tricky, yeah? yeah, the green card was, was the way to go. And if I could perform well, so when I went to Minnesota, I signed halfway through the year. And then that was the year, their last year in the NESL before they went to MLS. So at the time I thought it could be a potential opportunity here where if I play well for the remainder of the season, I could get an MLS contract. And that, that was the goal when I first, when I first signed for Minnesota. But, the green card again came into the international roster spots. They said, you know, they are like gold dust to us and we do use the DP spots for the international roster spots and all this. So then my focus was always still MLS, but turned more towards trying to get a club to fund my green card. Okay. And then the following year I signed for Jacksonville Armada, had a really good year and uh, was the young player of the year there and, and, and finally got the green card in a contract that I had. So Hopefully, at the end of this season, I should receive uh, confirmation of my green card. So next season, I'll be a, a non-international, which I'm hoping opens a door up to MLS. And all I'm doing this year is trying to play as well as I can and 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 have that door open. But yeah, that that's still my ambition to play at MLS and get some appearances there. And then who knows? You know, who knows what could happen from there? Okay. Um, so obviously, you got a little bit coy at the end there, but. Uh... <laughs> You want to put, you've mentioned the MLS a lot there. I feel like a lot of people that come from England to move to America to play, they love it here so much that they choose to stay here. Like, are you settled here? Is this where you want to be for the rest of your life? Or have you got ambitions to go back to England? Um, I have ambitions to go back to Europe at some time, at some stage, whether it's England, whether it's Just Spain, to live or to play? To play. Okay. So I, I would like to make the jump up to MLS and then see where it takes me. But, as well to live you know i'd like to live in i'd like to pick up another language whether it's spain you know france italy and 
ever since I came over to the States and I brought my girlfriend over and now I'm my wife and now we have a son. Mm-hmm. It's She's taken root. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She makes the decisions now. Yeah, I know, I know <laughs> no, about no. that one. No, we, uh, we're, we're open to traveling. That's all we've ever done since we've come to the States. So at the same time that it, the football world doesn't offer you much security always. Yeah, especially not over here. No, then traveling is something that we're very open to and yeah I mean, we definitely want to travel the world more do you know there's a lot to be said for that family environment whereby you have people within it who are happy to do things like travel because i've played with some people where their family environment doesn't allow them to leave say the m25 down in london like they must find a club that's close to london otherwise they're not going to go but like your mentality like i'm very fortunate with mine as well with my wife and my kids and stuff we could go anywhere in the world and they'd happily be there if we're all together. Hmm. You know, when you realize what like home is and what family is. Yeah. Like home is essentially where your family is, regardless of wherever it is in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's such an incredible feeling. And as well with being over here, are you surprised they're not more sort of British or slash English players that come across? I am a, I am, and I'm also not, because I, I think that from from my own experience, it's not easy to come over here and first of all make the decision that you want to leave England or leave Europe and come over to the States, but then also finding the, the right contacts because it is two completely different markets. Yeah, it's and special, isn't it? Completely different. So I am surprised that more English players don't want to come over here, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not surprised because it's a difficult route to come over. Do you find that the league over here is more, kind of feels sometimes like the rest of the world runs football a certain way. And then over here, they run it closer to their traditional American sports. It's definitely isolated to other parts of the world that, that football is. I mean, there's you know everyone knows about the promotion relegation. Yeah, there's there's that like I I can kind of get my head around that in some ways because of the fact that the owners buy in and stuff and mm-hmm. say this money needs to be guaranteed and so on. But it would make it more competitive. But it's like, well, we want this player. Well, how about we offer you this spot here and we'll give you a bit of money here and then this. It's it's like it's like a it's a, it's a, a trade like the fact it's called a trade instead of a transfer. Yeah. It literally is a trade. This player is available if you're willing to offer this or that or that or that. Yeah. Whereas normally anywhere else around the world, it's either money or player. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's almost as if you remember the old game. You, I don't know if you collected the cards yeah, at school, yeah, yeah. but it's almost as if the owners literally, are just. Yeah. yeah. But then that's. <laughs> but it's it's been fun for me because I I fancy something different. Having spent a lot of years playing in England and I yeah. love doing it, I wanted a new experience. And as soon as I crossed over, in fact, before I even came over, when I was looking to come over and you really look into how the league works, it's like mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, this is completely different to what I know, even from the transfer windows to the way, like, the, I think the record transfer in the MLS might be like two, three million or something mm. in between clubs. And I'm like, but it's like 2019, and then people going for 200 million or whatever. <laughs> but then that's that was that doesn't really happen very often, you know? Like, you try and learn it, and it's I found it exciting because I was stepping out into something which I'm not used to. Obviously, for a lot of people, there's the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. which we do tend to find back home, which is why a lot of people will never leave. And that's fair enough. But I think there's definitely something to be seen for traveling around the world and playing and seeing different cultures and seeing different things. Because a career can only last however long, but the memories that you create in a different environment, I think these will be the ones which I'll remember for probably uh, the longest. But anyway, <laughs> let's time, it's time to really get to it. <clears throat> As a human being that basically lives on YouTube, it just so happens that you have a YouTube channel, yes. which I knew about, but I wasn't following until recently. So being the creep that I am, obviously I was on Wikipedia, I was on Google, I was asking Siri about you. I asked, Geez. <laughs> What did Siri have to say? Siri <laughs> said, this guy's all right, this guy's all right. <laughs> just follow these links and you'll find out some more. So yeah, I was, I was happy to see that you have a page, or a channel rather. And when I looked at the channel, I was happy to see the way, the content and the way that you were doing things. And it felt really familiar to me because we trained in the same facility. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was like, oh, I've, I've been in there. I've, I've, I've not done that stretching, but you know, I've been in that space. Yeah. So can we let's have a chat about YouTube channel for a minute? Yeah. So I was um, started it last year. So I was 2018 at the start of the year when I was playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and the Tampa, the Rowdies as a club are really good for the media side. They have a really good core media group that really know how to broadcast the club and the players mm-hmm. so when i first saw that i was sort of opened my eyes to a little a little more a little different side to the to football and you know it really opened my eyes as well to the fans and ha- and 
how much the rowdies at the time meant to the community and everyone around. Um, and I just, I made a decision. I spoke it through with my family and I just thought, I'm in a situation where it's it's a privileged situation. It's it's a, a job that we do that a lot of people in the world aspire to, to become. And if I can give people a little insight into what it's like, the actual reality of what it's like, not not what people think in the clouds yeah, and, yeah, of course, yeah. and all the, you know, the, the glitz and glam, but just the hardcore um, truth of what it's like. And if I can give people an insight to that and inspire them at the same time, that's the reason I started the YouTube channel. And I started it last year and then Leo was born. So it took up a lot of time. So I, I stopped it, had a bit of a break and then picked it up again this year. Um, but it's something that I really enjoy. It's, it's a hobby of mine that allows me to mentally relax, physically relax, concentrate on something completely different, but still connected to something that I, I know. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. Yeah. And as you you were saying how they were really for it in Tampa, I'd say overall, if this was to be back in England, I feel it'd be quite taboo, if mm. you know what I mean. It's like a no-go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I was back in England. I, I generally think that I am... Um, I think there's more of an old school mentality in in England, and yeah, 100%. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, whilst you do have your career, you have to also plan for the future. And and like you, media is something that that I have a a real passion about. You know, whether it's camera work, whether it's uh, interviews, media analysis of the game, whatever it might be. You know, I have a real interest in that. So if if I can have something on the side that I'm passionate about as well that can all hold me in good stead for the future, then I'm, I'm going to do it. This is really weird. I'm sitting across from someone who's basically me. Like, <laughs> this is freaking me out a little bit. I, I didn't. Uh, you score more goals than me, though. Uh, listen, you've got so you've got eight goals this season in 20 games. Yeah. But how many of those are penalties? Uh, three. That's not too bad. Actually. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I can't. Re- I've scored one goal, which was like the end of a two-year drought. So I'm just happy to even see the goal. I have a shot on target. I'm like I'm having looked at the channel, and I'm subscribing now. And the channel is called. It's just called Jack Blake. And yeah, on YouTube, you find it on YouTube. You yeah. follow. You subscribe. You click the bell. Thank you. You do all that stuff. Yes. And it's really cool because it's the way that I would like to view the game. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. There's nothing. There's nothing false about it. Obviously, you can't record every single second of the day. Yeah. But all the main things which are shown are exactly the day which you have. And that's great to see. And it's no surprise, say, I've looked at your numbers and stuff. I think so you've got just under 9,000 subscribers at this moment in time. Yeah. But your most watched video is 87,000, mm-hmm. which is a day in a life on a game day. Training day. Tra- was it training day? Yeah. Was it game day? Yeah. Training day. And like, it really shows to you that's the biggest video because that's what people want to know. People want to know what it's actually like. Yeah. You could have something on Instagram. Oh, look at this. I flicked a ball into the goal from behind the goal from 30 yards away with this win. That, that's great. That's a highlight reel. That's great. Yeah. But what's really required to be a good professional? And this channel really does show all that. Yeah. And I love it, man. I'll be honest. <laughs> Thank I'll be you. honest. This is, it's getting a bit creepy now. I but, appreciate that. But yeah, um, I love it, man. And it's good to see that people are doing things in a way that I would want to do things myself. Like the way that I view the game is one where it's not necessarily all about tension. It's about trying to help as many people as possible. That's been my whole gig for the last, specifically the last five, six years. Mm-hmm. As you get older within the locker room, you can choose one of two routes. You can either just be the selfish person, looks after themselves, make sure they're available, throws everyone else under the bus. Or you can be the person who makes sure they're ready, but also tries to raise everyone else's game through the experience and understanding of what is important and what's not. Mm-hmm. And when... I feel like you almost have a duty to do that, yet still not many people are doing that. Yeah. Because the game itself, especially back home, is such a dog-eat-dog game. Mm. As soon as like money and big money becomes involved, a lot of people won't give you the time of day. No. But here's a channel which is helping people who might be professional, who probably aren't professional, or people who dream of being professional. Like right. even hearing your story, I know will inspire younger people should a door be closed on them. Well, that's not the end. Mm-hmm. there's another way mm-hmm. but the way that you've just described is one which I've not heard before you know but here on the platform you've said it and I'm delighted <laughs> thank you that. that's the first time I properly properly spoke A the story coming over to the States and and B also the YouTube stuff I've not I've not really spoken about it before so yeah. e- exclusive right here literally, yeah, literally <laughs> I appreciate it you're dropping bombs on here my friend but that's that's so cool man and I'm, and I'm glad that we're having this talk and I'm glad that some people just in this moment I think even if it's just one person, you could have possibly affected 
positively affected the life of one person. Right. Maybe helped someone's career, maybe in 10, 15 years down the line, someone will say, things changed because I heard of this and I saw this and I saw that it's not about doing this dance by the side of a field. It's about being ready and being committed and working hard to do everything you can for your team. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, I want football to be like that. But, you know, speaking of YouTube, so you have your channel. Who do you subscribe to? Because I'm sure you live on there now. I do. I do spend a lot of time. And before I started the YouTube channel, I did spend a lot of time watching, uh, watching YouTube. And that's how I really, I learned how to edit videos and, and make it a little bit more interesting for people to watch. Mm -hmm. um, so I subscribe to a lot of health and fitness people, to be honest, and also like people that are to do with health, healthy food and healthy lifestyle. And I don't, I don't really follow too many people that, that do football. Um, I just I, I like to follow the creative YouTubers who do like edit uh, edited Listen, footage. You can drop and, names in right now if you want. Uh, Casey Neistat, yeah, people like that, yeah. yeah. Um, who am I? There's a guy called Matt Does Fitness in England that I subscribe to. He he says some really good, um, just like fitness channels and stuff. It's more it's more for me the entertainment of watching it is more for the edits and the the footage that they capture. Always working then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. So, yeah, that's cool. Like I obviously I'm one of your subscribers and I'm big on YouTube, but I don't really watch YouTube for football as such. You're the proper first proper football specific channel which I'll be watching. Like I have things for other hobbies and general knowledge and stuff like Vox or SB Nation and stuff. I've, I like to be entertained that way. Mm -hmm. But it's led me to a point where if there's not live sport on TV, I don't really watch TV, you know. Mm. But I remember many many years ago, someone told me that Rob Green didn't have a TV in his house. I was like, what a weirdo. <laughs> Like, that's as weird as it comes. But now I'm that guy where the TV is there, but I'm just, like, looking at a video on YouTube. Like, oh, it's happened to me now. I think the only thing on TV in our household is Disney Channel at the moment. Well, yeah, yeah. As soon as you have a child, everything changes, doesn't it? But I, um, I'm a big fan of that, and I think it shows, like, to people who have the dream of being a professional, who aren't necessarily just there and everything's being delivered to them, because, you know, that, that route does exist people that just do well and everything just happens and it happens and it happens exactly. that's that's great that does happen yeah. i've got no issues with that but there are the people who and probably more people who have to go through things a slightly more difficult way yeah and the more inspirations that they have and stories that they have to draw like yourself that's going to make a big difference because it's through the use of a platform you put forward a positive story that's not a perfect story right but we all end up in the same place yes here we are sat together today yeah for real so <laughs> let's 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 that's great about YouTube. Let's just talk general football now, yeah? Right. It's a bit lighter, a bit lighter. No stories need to be told here to a certain extent. Okay. Um, so having watched football for years and years and all that stuff, and you are, a, are you still a Forest fan or have you moved on from that? I think I, I think deep down, I still am. Yeah, I just, the way I, the way they was left at the club, like I said, did leave me with a bit of taste. So, but deep down, I still yeah, am. Yeah, I felt that, you know. Yeah. And I've come on the other side. I'm just a fan now. Yeah. Like, I, I was salty as anything yeah. like, when I left. But yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that. I think so, I'm just, I'm just, just enjoy watching football now. Like, people ask me all the time, especially over here, like, who's your Prem team? I don't, I don't have a Prem team. I just enjoy watching the teams. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me get you off that fence for a second. <laughs> so you say you don't, you don't have a team, but who's your favorite team to watch? It has to be Man City, without a doubt. Since since when, like Pep's Man City since or like Pep? Pep okay. Yeah, I, th I think since Pep. Um, I think I think Pep as a manager has, has changed the game. You see a lot more teams now playing out from the back. And oh God, do I? If you watch the uh, <laughs> even just the game yesterday, the Inter Barca game, the way you know Inter were playing out at the, yeah. at the Camp Nou was incredible. So I, I think I, I respect the guy hugely for that, and because he was the OG of that, I think I enjoy watching his team. Yeah, he's. I feel like he's just changed the way the game was played because he just saw things slightly differently yeah a lot of teams in the past were very rigid in the way that they played but i remember seeing Bayern play against united like many years ago when he was in charge and they had two center backs who were behind two fullbacks who were behind the two center mids and then i was like what is the system <laughs> but united didn't know what to do I remember gigs like just standing out on the wing trying to defend but like there was no one near him and he literally had no idea where to go because he's you know he's from a, like a more old school style of playing and it's not as fluid as them yeah but they're, they're pretty good. They're Not pretty bad. good. Who's your favourite player in that team then? De Bruyne. Yeah, it has to be. Is that who you'd want to like model your game on? I, I think so, yeah. I think as a, him as a number eight, I think that's that's his... I think that's my favourite position to watch him play in. 
Um, so as a number eight, I think I think there's no one better in the Prem, in my opinion. Speaking of YouTube, by the way, before I, I happened to, I was caught in the wormhole. And, it happens to the best. Oh, ones. does it? <laughs> and it just so happened to be a video of like all of Kevin De Bruyne's assists in England. Mate, what a player! I felt like I was in bed watching porn. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Like, this is nah. That's not past. You're not. You're not supposed to play that pass. Nah. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. He he just sees things differently, doesn't he? Yeah. But do you know what it reminded me of in some ways from back in the day where Beckham used to have that sort of like air raid type like attacks, whipping balls from everywhere. Like De Bruyne can do all that, but he does it on the floor as well. Mm-hmm. I just think. Oh. Imagine being a striker in that. You just like turn and just run. And then a ball is just going to arrive. Imagine a defender playing against it. No. No, I cannot. I cannot. Like those those moments there. The, the less times I play against people like that, the happier I'll be. Yeah. Who um, would you say, as in team-wise, is the best you've played against so far? Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. Mm. Because in this game, I feel like we're not we're good at isolating individuals. We don't really overcredit teams sometimes. No, when I first came over to the states, played in the NESL, and Miami at the time had a team that was they were blowing everyone out of the water. They were just beating teams comfortably every game, home and away. And I think for me, as a young as a young player coming over and learning the game in the states, that was for me one of the first games I played, and I thought. Standards a bit better than I expected yeah. over here. Yeah. So it really did ground me coming over from England, and maybe there was a bit of arrogance I had in my head coming from England, thinking, "Oh, you know, it'd be a bit easier in the states." But that was <laughs> that was a real uh, a real halt to 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 sort of realize that I had to up my game even more mm-hmm. and keep developing to to compete at the level. It's so funny those like hard games. They can come from absolutely anywhere. Like a I've been lucky enough to play against all the big teams and you know, a lot of big arenas and all that. Mm-hmm. But some of those games haven't been as hard as, say, like when I was at QPR, there was a two-year spell where every time we played Fulham, we'd lose 5-0 and it'd be like they had 12 men on the field. And you're just like, you go into the game, oh, I'd be fine. You look at the team, it's fine. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. And then like, oh, it's 1-0, it's 2-0, it's 3-0. Like, oh my goodness gracious me. But yeah. it didn't feel as bad. So it felt worse than, say, when you were at the Emirates and you were like 2-0 down after like 10 seconds. But here you are at Craven Cottage getting worse, you know. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. And like Brentford as well, they were another one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. They just somehow, they just they just get to you. They were a footballing team then. Oh, abs- they, again, a team full of, like, you know the saying about the sum of the parts or whatever is great. Each, the sum of the parts is greater than individual, whatever the saying is. I forget what it is. But everyone in their team, not one of them could be sold for anything significant in terms of cash. No. But every single one of those within that team on a roll, yeah. they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly unbelievable. I think. I think. Also, another difficult game that that I felt was at the time was was my first ever professional game in England. I was on loan at Mansfield mm-hmm. in League Two, and I was eighteen, and we played away at Bury. Mm, okay. And uh, <laughs> the game ended nil nil. We had there were two players sent off from Bury, one player sent off from our team, both managers sent off, and that was just. That's a good League Two that game. Is just, that that's a good that's League a standard two game. League Two game, yeah, right that's there. A good game. <laughs> Dropping down to those leagues, which I think some people would miss, say, if they were trying to go from here across to England. Like here, I feel like everyone wants to try and play, and it's nice. Yeah, you know, it's pretty football. If it's too rough, like the ref will pull it up because it can give some, some like soft yellows mm-hmm. and soft reds and whatever. But my word, I, I tried to describe it to someone the other day. If you're in England and you're anywhere from the championship down and there's a ball directly between two individuals of the opposite team, the violence I've seen go into that tackle, like it would cancel the whole league over here. But it's violence where it's like both players will go for it. Both will have to get up. If the ball squirms to the next two guys, it's like, well, you're next and you do the same thing. You know what I mean? Like that, it's not, it's not like the purest version. It's not, it's not, it's not part of the beautiful game it's so pure and that's what people love to see yeah whereas here say like if um bofo or Savarino or anyone does a nice trick everyone gets really excited i remember when i was first coming through if i made a big tackle oh yeah you every, get the whole stadium the up. whole stadium is yeah. like you're a king yeah. that's all they wanted and those people still exist but you know it's, it's a different game now uh what do you think about this yeah so being involved with with, with quite a few players and ex-players and so on now every so often we'll just have chats about the game and how it's changed and so on what do you think in your opinion defines a good career when it's all said and done i think a good career is 
is reaching your potential as a player. I think I think reaching your potential and having success within your career and, and you know, success might be getting through a season, not getting injured. If you've been you know, if you've had a few seasons injured, it might be winning a trophy. It might be scoring a certain amount of goals a year. I think if you can look back in your career and feel as though you have no regrets, you've reached your potential and you've had success in some way, I think you can look back and think you've had a good career. From the thought of potential, though, is this potential that you believe in yourself or that people tell you this is what your potential is? I think I think it has to be the belief from yourself because there's so many opinions in football that one manager might tell you you've got the ability to play League One max in England and mm-hmm. one, one manager might tell you you've got the ability to play Champions League. You know, you just look at... Serge Nabry the other night. Oh gosh! You know, oh, not it's getting too soon. It's too soon for the Spurs fans, my friend. Way too soon. Sorry, mate. Like, no, I'm not a Spurs fan. Out. Don't worry about that. It's just too soon for them. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I know. Do you know? I know what you're saying. It's just because someone was talking about someone who they said had a great career, and they said they had a great career because they'd won, um, they'd won, they'd won medals um, recently, uh, but they weren't a main part of the team. The talk was about, ah, can't name them, but yeah, they'd won medals. And I thought, that's great, but they weren't really a major part of the team. Mm-hmm. So is it better to have a career where you play every game for, say, 15 years for a team that never wins anything? Or you're a bit part player and you get titles along the way? You know, like, it's tough, isn't it? That That is the thing. And, and like when I was listening to your podcast with Mika Richards, you know, what he was saying about... You know, he, he could have, you know, when he stayed at Man City, he had a Prem title and, and all mm-hmm. that, but he wasn't really an integral part of the squad. It doesn't. You doesn't feel as though you won that trophy. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like it, as a squad. As a squad player, you're always happy for your team when you do well. But then, from a pride perspective and an individual perspective, you'll know whether you've earned it or not. Of course. Yeah. You know that sometimes is like a real moment where you look in the mirror and you're like, "Is this the right thing to be doing?" Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can take out say like second choice, third choice keepers from that because there's an expectation like they're not going to play. But most players in any situation when they're at a club, they they are, they've been brought there to play. So when a team's doing really well and you're like, you're not part of it, it's great, we've won, great, we've won, great, we've won. But there's only so many of those results before you start thinking, great, they've won. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want a bit, you want you want to be involved, don't you? Yeah, because that's, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what we're professional for. We're not professional to go and just be like cheerleaders for a, a bunch of individuals. Mm-hmm. You're there to be part of the individual. But when you, the way the squads are set up around England and here, England is a 25-man squad. Here it's a 30-man squad. But 11 people start a game, three come off the bench. It's 18 total in a squad. So you're looking at seven to like 12 people yeah. every week. Yeah. Don't even get to be there. No. You know, that's, that's, uh, I think we'll have this talk at some point in the future, but that's the, that's the sort of downside of being a professional. There's so many ways, well, in any given week, you can fall into many different positions within that whole mindset of being a professional, whether it's being the star of the team, the person that's like the villain of the team, person who is always the next guy in on the bench one who's never going to play mm-hmm. one who's never making a squad mm-hmm. one who's injured and worrying about his future you know there's so many little there's so many stories going on at the same time but I feel like from the outside everyone just perceives everyone to just be doing the same thing and just like wait until payday and then getting paid and then just rubbing <laughs> their hands together because they've got all the money in the world yeah yeah but we can't so it's so I find it so annoying that with the way football is for us, it's great that we get paid and the money's great and so on but we can never say anything negative because for the majority of people, as soon as we do, all they'll say is, well, yeah, I'd, I'd deal with that if I was getting paid the same as you. Mm-hmm. But then how does that fit in with the way that in society now people are more should be allowed to, and I think overall they are more allowed to go and express not just happiness, but sadness as well. Yeah, And it'd be received in a way whereby you're not going to be ridiculed. You shouldn't have to fear telling the truth Yeah, just because people that ah, it's money, so... Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about this, but that got way too deep. Got way too deep. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm on the same level. Yeah, so we'll have a serious talk about like what real life football is one day, but just maybe not today because <laughs> you know it's been a long time already. Uh, we'll, we'll have we'll have a bit of fun now, yeah. If that's right, we yes. Not please. too not too I've much. Been fun. Having, I've been having fun already. It was like official fun now. <laughs> this is the official part you're supposed to uh, get into. Actually, we'll start a bit soft. So. Everything within football for me revolves around Messi and Ronaldo because they're, in my opinion, they're the two best of this generation. They might never be replicated by anybody. But for all their strengths, what do you think their weaknesses are, the pair of them? 
Wow, that's that's a difficult question. It's not one you hear very often, is it's it? It's not. It's not. Do you know, I, I think with those with those two players, I, I honestly think you can't treat them like any other player. I, I don't think you can even analyze them individually because what they do is so special individually that and unique that even to the way that Messi runs, even to the way Ronaldo runs, is that no one else can emulate that. You know, they're they are just two greats of the game. That for me, there's no point in even comparing the two because we should we should just enjoy it while yeah. while it lasts. And they do, te- in my opinion, they do technically play two different positions anyway. Yeah, you know, it, they're both attackers, but the way in which they attack is so different. It's not mm. like they would go head to head with like Kane and Lewandowski or something. Yeah, like one will score headers at the back post amongst other things and the other one will get the ball on the halfway line and play a ball which you've never seen before not even on FIFA like if you tried <laughs> it on FIFA, FIFA. It, would, it would break the game you know what I mean <laughs> that type of person yeah but yeah weaknesses like that's a tough question yeah I'd be like oh maybe show Messi onto his right foot but the thing is like he'll just go back onto his left because he's, that's just what he does and he'll send you somewhere that you don't want to be no and then Ronaldo obviously like that desire to score oh my god yeah anytime you play against any player who will literally break their back to put the ball in your goal. Good luck to you. Yeah. Because you can try and match the desire, but I always say, if a defender and an attacker, the best two best in the world, had a head-to-head together and they both played at their absolute peak, the attacker would always score a goal because he could just put one into the net from 50 yards away mm-hmm. with a shot you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So we're just, as, a, as defenders, we're just playing a losing game where you can never guarantee clean sheet, but you can try and do stuff whereby if someone scores against you, they've had to earn it. Yeah, you know that's that's a sad existence for a defender. Whereas an attacker is like, well, you know, just give me the ball thirty yards out, I'll put it top corner, or just put it up in the air, I'll head that. You know what I mean? Must be nice. I also think as well the the thing that's most admirable about both of them, the huge respect I have for for both of them is the fact that they've not had it easy either. You know, yeah. coming out of both of them poverty yeah. in a way, and to to make it where they are now, and also the 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 personality that they have to have. And the class that they have to to hold themselves and the, the respect they have to hold, they can't slip up no. in, in any any aspect of the world. Listen, if 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 one of them scores only three goals in a month, it's a crisis. Yeah, but for 50, ten years, basically, they've made sure they've not had a single crisis. You know, uh, right? yeah. and like, oh, he's injured. Oh, is this the downfall of whoever finished the season forty goals? Like, no, I'll be all right. <laughs> right. So pride exists in life, as we all know, and it's also a very big subconscious factor within football. What would you rather pick here? Would you rather be the least important player in a winning team or the MVP in a losing one across like the whole season? I think it'd still be a winning team. You'd like to, you'd I think to so, like, yeah, because the, the, for me... This is a guy who takes penalties, who takes free <laughs> kicks. You're telling me that you would like give up the limelight altogether to be the least important player. I'm trying to think about how I feel, how I feel if... You know, if my team has has lost and I've played in the game, and and if our team have won and I've not played in the game, and I, I generally think that the thought of losing and being in a losing team outweighs that because we we all work hard as professionals, but to be working hard day in day out and and grafting day in day out to then be on a losing team all the time, I think I think that would be that would be the worst of feeling out of the two of them. I mean, they're both not great feelings. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad you finally, you're finally honest. I was like, come on, just say the thing that you're actually thinking. Yeah. But yeah, that's 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 cool. That's cool. It's great on all that. But I, I did a, the last podcast with Corey Baird, was with Corey Baird, and I added to this type of question by saying, future-wise, it's more dangerous to be the least important player in a winning team. That's true, yeah. As opposed to being the MVP in a losing one. Mm-hmm. Because one, you could be going up, whereas the other one, you could just be dropping down. Mm. So you're sure you're going to stick with your answer? I'm still going to stick with it, yeah. That's, all right. I'll, I'll call it, I'll literally, like, hang on a second. If you, in this season, have I seen you wrestling the ball away from someone to score a penalty or a free kick? Does that happen? No, I don't think so. Who am I thinking of? If you're not just going to just scoop the ball out of someone's hand and just say, I'm taking this. But now you're telling me you'd rather be... With the... penalties, me and Michael Chang take it in turns. So we do alternate penalties. Free kicks is slightly different. Right. I'm going to have to go and look at some film and I'll, I'll get back to the <laughs> yeah. listeners on that one. Pull up the clips. Okay, so while I was uh, at QPR, I played with a lot of very big names and stuff. Same at City, but at QPR for a spell, I played with Real Ferdinand. Right. In my opinion, he's top three best centre-backs in Premier League history. Really good guy. Exceptional player. Read the game like it was flipping 
child's play or whatever. And he would tell me stories about what it was like to beat United, the way that they used to win games, their approach. And they also used to tell me about Sir Alex Ferguson and what made him so different to the rest. He apparently was a really compassionate guy and he would always try and speak to the players. And one of the things he always used to do, they'd be in a hotel before every game. And then he said, if you heard footsteps down the corridor, you knew someone was in trouble, but in trouble because they weren't going to play. So he would knock on the door and he'd say to this player, I'm not going to play tomorrow. Say this is a Friday before a Saturday mm-hmm. game. I'm not going to play tomorrow, but I'm going to play you in the Champions League midweek. But I'm going to play you in this game in 10 days. And for his whole tenure there, I don't believe he lied to a player one time. So he did that his whole time. So you couldn't really fight it because he's letting you down, but also picking you up by putting the trust in you mm-hmm. and pl- giving you time to plan for something. If he was your coach and he did that, but the game the next day was in your hometown, the biggest game of your personal life because it was against this team and you had all your friends and family going and all this. And he said, I don't want you to play in this game, but I want you to play in midweek against, say, like bottom of the league. Would you say anything? <laughs> to Alex Ferguson? To Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson. Wow. Um, I, think, I think I'd have to, yeah. I think, I think I'd, I'd have to put across my opinion if you heard this oh my god oh god are we going to cut this are we just going to let this run but in, in a lighter way not, <laughs> I wouldn't say exactly what I want to say <laughs> no I, I yeah it's a difficult question mm. what would you do you're That's full the of these difficult questions aren't this, you? The, I, I, I like this one because like I could I can play on people's like emotions because we know what it's like to play in a big game for us Yeah, like the big games for clubs and the big games for players the ones where family come in and all this stuff. Yeah. And then if you're not playing, thinking about even more, I think the thought of not playing in front of friends and family in a big game versus having Sir Alex Ferguson scream in my face. Plus thing, he wouldn't necessarily scream in your face, but he might lose trust in you. Mm, That probably outweighs it then. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say. Yeah, I think that'd be the same for me. I think I'd pretty much just cry myself to sleep. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Solving all that stuff. But he's just just one of those iconic coaches, isn't he? Yeah. You know what I mean? And to be trusted by someone as great at their job as him, unfortunately far outweighs that moment in time. Yeah. Even though it'll affect your pride and all this stuff. Yeah. I think as well, like reading his autobiography and the book that he, he put out, it seemed like he had a real good relationship with his players as well. You know, when Cantona left yeah. and he sent him that letter and yeah. and all that. I think as a coach and as a manager in the career that he had to still be honest with the players and to tell them straight to their face, I'm not playing you, this is the reason why. I think there's there's no more, there's not a better move from a coach than to do that, than yeah. to earn trust from the players. Yeah, honesty does bring trust because honesty can sometimes disappoint you, but there's certain things which you can cope with because you know why mm-hmm. you might disagree with it but you might be able to break that further down the line because you knew why in that moment instead of being lied to and forever just chasing something that might not necessarily ever be there right um so you're a guy you've got to say you've got eight goals you've got eight goals in 20 games how many assists have you got one i think oh yeah well, i might have to bend this question yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gonna ask you like would you rather like yeah. never score again <laughs> never assist again but you'd never assist anyway <laughs> so that one kind of looks after itself i got a few assists assist in training to you i think <laughs> well <laughs> i doubt that because i don't think i scored um right to wrap it up because yet again i've spoken for way too long but i've had a good chat um actually two things who's the best player nobody's talking about that you've played with or what or played against that nobody's talking about mm, like a proper sleeper wow that's a tough one um, I think I go back to the NESL days as well um, there was a kid in in, uh, in the Miami team Martinez and I always I always answer this and when someone asks me who's one of the best players you've played against and there was a, a guy called Martinez who was a, a number 10 South American player, and he ran me ragged the whole game. <laughs> and but it, it was his ability to to do everything in the game. It yeah. was it was he was running in behind. He was checking to come to feet, turning. Just his ability on and off the ball that caused nightmares for me. That that was was probably the best performance I've seen someone against me directly that no one's talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. proper. That that links to something which Pep Guardiola I think said to I forget who I've played with that's been with him. But he said there's some players who can 
run with the ball. And there's some that can run without it. Mm -hmm. The ones who can run without it as well as with it, they're hell on earth. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. some people always want to come short, always want to come short. I need the ball to my feet to do something. Yeah. But those ones where like they're just constantly just making you uncomfortable. It's a defender's nightmare, isn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> Any runner from midfield, like, no, just go away. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Whereas the ones like, the technically good ones that always want to come short, I'm chilling. Like, <laughs> literally, at my big old age, if I don't have to turn and run back towards my goal, I'm so happy. So, can you give me your fancy five-a-side team? I can. Um, I'll let you know if it's terrible, by the way. Don't does, it, does there have to be an out-and-out -out defender in no, it? No, 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 no. You play it however okay. you want. So, my keeper... I'm going with Rogerio Senni. Any keeper that can score free kicks and the amount of goals that he scored in his career. Well, that is a curveball. Ever I heard a curveball? <laughs> that's okay. that's that's my keeper for for small sided. Okay. Because I know that he's gonna he's gonna save. He's probably gonna make a few decent saves. Yeah. But with the ball, he's gonna be an absolute baller. Okay. So I, like I need him in the team. I like that. Thank you. The way I thought about it is. Who are the players in the world, past and present, that I would not want to play against? Uh -huh. So my my defender, my holding mid would be Kante. Okay, yeah, that's that's not a bad shot actually. He's been getting slept on by a few people. I think he would be by far one of the worst players to play against in small sided. Just won't give you a. a he won't like give you a yard of space, yeah. but he can also finish. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that recently. Um, on the left, cutting inside, I'd have Ronaldinho. Oh, that's a solid bet. Yeah, yeah, solid. That's legit. Through the middle, I'd go with Zidane. Mm. Yeah, I think I think like you were saying as a midfielder, running with and without the ball. I think as a hold-up player, he's a big frame, yeah. a ball at his feet. He can do anything. Big Zuzu, okay. And then on the right, Messi. Okay. So that, that'd be my five side. You know what? That's all right. Yeah? That's all right. The people will judge you. Yes. But I'm now sure. the curveball again. That team has to play against the five side of your team right now. Who do you pick in that five? Ooh. From the Monarchs? From the Monarchs. Obviously, you wouldn't be highly favoured to win the game. <laughs> But who? <laughs> but, uh, who would you pick to give yourself the best opportunity of not losing by more than ten goals? Wow! Wow! Look, disclaimer: This isn't like picking up the best players as such from the team. It's picking up the best players for this moment in time. For the small side, of yeah, based on who you're playing against. So I think I'd go with a Chora's goalkeeper and small sided. Yeah. Uh, springy likes to make the camera saves. The only thing with Ochoa though, I think he quite enjoys it when big names score past him. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with it. I'm with that goal. Yeah. Are you one of those big names? Nah, I'm sorry to get me started. <laughs> no, get me started. Never received a high five from slotting past the keeper before, <laughs> before I came here. Um, okay, here we go. I think, I think, especially after his goal at the weekend, no powder would be up there. That goal was nice, huh? That goal was nasty. That's the second nicest goal I've seen since my own. <laughs> but yeah. It was a bit, a bit like yours well, for Sunday against well, Chelsea. Well, it was, yeah, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed. <laughs> I was impressed. Yeah, it was a very good goal. Um, I think so. I'm not in. I'm not. It's Listen, pick someone save, else. Save your legs. Put someone else in. Yeah, there. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in there. Um, Douglas Martinez up top. Yeah. Um, problems. Yes, he would. Um, on the right, cutting inside would be Michael Chang. Okay. And then, my player to go get the ball for for us. Um, this can be anyone that's played for you this season. Oh. I, I think it'd be after Caelan Ryden. Really? I think it would you be. put him in there? I think I would. Oh, he'd be in a spin cycle. I think I, <laughs> I think I would. <laughs> Up against Zidane? Come on, son. Yeah, come on, okay. just, just press him. Just press him. He's my boy as oh well, God, so I have yeah. full trust in him. And is that is that four? Or have you got one that's, more? That's my five side. Caelan, uh, Noah, Douglas, and uh, Chang. Right. It's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for coming on thanks for having me would you um, like to give your YouTube page another sh uh, channel another shout out yeah yeah it's just uh, www.youtube.com forward slash Jack Blake so we need subscribers yes please we need people to ring the bell yep so you get notified when there are new videos yep, is, that, yep. is that what people say yeah there's a notification bell you can press yeah yeah and just like and share comment all L that stuff like comment you know I always I always enjoy interacting with the subscribers as well so anyone that comments on the videos with what they'd like to see on upcoming videos any ideas people might have i'm open to anything so yeah top class man well yeah. thank you very much jack thank you to producer ryan in the back for staying quiet and letting us concentrate on what we're doing thank you to mountaineer studios draper utah and to the listeners you've been top class as always feel free to reach out to us a voice note can be sent at digital at rsl.com please reach out to jack are you on any of the social media twitter 
Yeah, yeah please, Jack Blake 94. Please tweet him. Like, <laughs> give just bombard him with info. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for listening and uh, till next time.